Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello, and welcome back to another Housing Matters Podcast. Your favorite data nerds are back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. And I'm rejoined again by Oscar Way. Hi, everyone. And of course, my name is Jordan Levine, the Deputy Chief Economist here at CAR. And we wanted to, um, as you probably suspected, talk through a little bit more about the coronavirus impacts, what it means for the economy and the housing market. And uh, I think, you know, this is the first week, Oscar, and correct me if I'm wrong, but where we're finally actually seeing some of the impacts of of coronavirus show up in the actual data, or rather that the data is actually starting to catch up uh, with reality. Absolutely. I mean, we have been seeing some anecdotal evidence. We might be seeing some data here and there, but we, we, we haven't really seen any kind of economic data. So this is a good time to uh, kind of look at those economic data and uh, talk about it. Um, yeah, definitely. So, you know, before we get into the, into the kind of real heavy econ stuff, would you mind just giving us a rundown of kind of where we are from a virus standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot has has changed um, in the last few weeks or so, and right now, um, we continue to be uh, fear about the uh, coronavirus. Uh, uh, rightfully so, because we now have over a million uh, cases in uh, at a global level, and as wow. far as number of deaths, uh, it's over fifty five thousand. And U.S. actually is now um, has been rising, and it's actually have the highest number of cases, with about uh, close to two hundred fifty thousand cases. Wow. Uh, new uh, confirmed cases and over 6,000 deaths. Yeah, yeah. so uh, these are, are very big numbers, obviously, and that's happening here in, in California as well. We're right. not as bad as, as what you see in, in New York, which has had, I think, uh, you know, like 10 times the number of deaths that we've seen here in, in California and similar on the number of cases, but we're still talking about deaths in the hundreds and, and cases that are in now the tens of thousands. And so um, this is, you know, obviously a lot different than, than anything we've ever, ever seen before. And I think that it's, it's, you know, it's scary that we're, we're the country with the, with the most cases out there. I know it's very scary. I remember, you know, four weeks ago, four or five weeks ago, when we started talking about the uh, coronavirus impact, we were still thinking that, well, okay, uh, you know, we're at the initial stage. I think, uh, you know, we may be able to get through it and uh, without uh, having a lot of impact at the economic level and at the housing market level, but things right. have changed quite a yeah. bit. Definitely. And uh, it seems like every day there's more forecasts being revised. And I think, you know, although we're not, uh, experts on on viruses and things like that. The the thing that that we're really keeping an eye on is just how how broad and deep the the economic impacts seem to be because uh, we've had some pretty staggering numbers come out just over the last uh, two weeks since we we did this last time or a week and a half ago when Leslie and I recorded the last. Um, podcast, there's already been some pretty uh, major developments, even above and beyond, I think, what we what we saw in the first and foremost on those is is on the labor market front, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a staggering number. I mean, some of the numbers that we saw just in the last couple of days or last week or so are the uh, unemployment insurance claims. Right. The uh, job loss number is really, really high uh, compared to uh, historical numbers. I'll yeah. let you kind of give those numbers out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we had uh, last week, and we're recording this uh, on Friday, April 3rd, just for some context, but uh, the week prior, we had unemployment claims that went from basically about you know 280,000 or so uh, all the way up to 3.3 million, and that was the single largest increase in, in new unemployment insurance claim filings ever in recorded history. Um, until this week, right, when they went up to uh, almost 6.6 million, and actually it was a little over 6.6 million, I think, and so uh, just the, the level of, of impact that we are going to see as a result of so many folks uh, unexpectedly and so rapidly finding themselves uh, without work is is pretty severe, and I think it's you know, I just went back and looked for context uh, earlier this morning just for fun. And, and you know, during the 2008 financial crisis, we were peaking at something on the order of like six or 700,000 people uh, filing for unemployment insurance each right. month. And, and here we're seeing uh, 10 times that number come online just in, in a couple of weeks. I know that's a significant uh, difference. I mean, remember in 2008, it was a uh, recession. I mean, we, can, we consider that a great recession. So um, with a number that, uh, at that level at 6.6 .6 million, and it could possibly be continued to increase in the upcoming weeks or so because of you know, what we have seen I mean, we had a, a shutdown in a shelter in place and a stay at home order. So basically for right. California, a lot of places got shut down and, um, you know, we will, we will probably continue to see uh, uh, rise or maybe uh, unemployment claims at the level of millions for right. the next few weeks or so. Yeah. I mean, I hate to, uh, to agree with you because those are pretty serious numbers, but I, but you have to to think just given where we are with people still, you know, not being able to get out there. And I think that's the other big piece of news, right, is that, uh, you know, we did have the the job loss number. So the, the unemployment numbers came out as well. And I think that, you know, the, the key to interpreting those is to, you know, realize that they're several weeks behind the curve, right? right. So when they're doing the both the household survey, which did, it showed a pretty sizable increase, you know, anytime before three weeks ago, and the unemployment rate goes up by, you know, 90 basis points from, I think we were uh, around three and a half percent. We just shot up this morning to 4.4%. That would, you know, in normal times be a pretty significant increase uh, in the monthly unemployment rate numbers, but in the context of everything that we've seen in terms of um, weekly, you know, claims for new unemployment insurance, I think that that is is the proverbial uh, tip of the iceberg, and I think that's true about the seven hundred job, seven hundred thousand jobs that we lost on the payroll side of things as well. Yeah, I mean, if you just isolate everything and just look at the four point four percent, like you said, you know, it may not seem like you know alarming number. Uh, but uh, this could uh, actually go up to a much, much significant, highly number. Uh, I think some of the some uh, economists predicted that that, that number will actually go to maybe eight or nine, and maybe even double digit. You know, as we uh, you know progress in the next few weeks or so. So uh, this definitely is not a number that is um, that is um, uh, the final number, but um, right. we'll find out. 
we're, we still got a, a ways to go. And I think that that's why people are so uh, pessimistic on second quarter GDP growth is that you look at how many of these folks have, have lost their jobs, point number one. But I think point number two is, is just what it's going to mean for consumer spending. And so we saw uh, this week, both in terms of the conference board's number and in terms of the University of Michigan, that there's uh, significant hits to consumer confidence. And, and I think even the, the University of Michigan number was down and had its biggest decline since the, the financial crisis of, of 2008. And that's critical because obviously consumers have been doing uh, most of the heavy lifting for our economy at large. And so, um, you know, you put together some, some great slides, but you're really seeing across almost every category how, how consumers have, you know, uh, both had to because of the labor market conditions, but also just because they have no option, um, have had to pull back. Can you just walk through all those different categories of, of things that you are tracking for us that just show how, how steep the decline in consumer spending is? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, there are a few things that we looked at. Um, now, for example, if we look at um, people who are going to the um, movie theaters, like a few weeks ago, um, even the beginning of, uh, of the end of February or so, we have some moviegoers. We have people going to the uh, movie theaters, and um, that number was trending right along with 2017, 2018, and 2019 numbers, just about the, the same level, but right. um, uh, in a matter of two weeks that actually dropped down to um, by about 60, 80, or even hundred percent because wow. no one is going to the box office. Now, what about the uh, NBA uh, basketball games? You know, yeah, games? Which I know you're personally vested in. Right. I'm a big basketball fan. And uh, that actually in, in a matter of two weeks, three weeks or so, I think uh, one of the basketball players got uh, a coronavirus tested positive. All the games got canceled. What about uh, restaurants? You know, you and I like to go out to eat. Yeah. But uh, in the last two, three weeks, I think we have some takeouts. But other than that, I don't think a lot of people go to the restaurants and yeah. or bars. Yeah, restaurants, bars. And you had hotels in there and airfare um, and all of that stuff. And so I think that it's just, uh, it's so unprecedented. And why we expect even more job losses coming down the pike is because these are are you know small businesses that don't have huge cash reserves in many cases um, you know to be able to withstand months of of not just a reduction in business but as you said in some cases uh, these numbers are down by 82 to 100 percent meaning that they've dropped off to virtually nothing and and that is is going to be tough for for some of these small businesses and definitely for for their employees and so i think that that's you know the kind of the twofold reason in addition to the job loss that that you see these big downgrades to to growth forecasts for the US economy over the course of the next two quarters and so uh, you know that's that's something that that I think we're going to have to kind of be realistic and brace for is that, you know, this isn't just a, a kind of, again, not a, just a slowdown akin to something that we've seen. It's really a, a halting in many cases of economic activity. And, and that's what makes it so hard to forecast what it's going to look like. But I think why we have to be prepared for, for things to remain tough for the next couple of weeks. And uh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and all those sectors, all those businesses, you know, there is another uh, aspect to it is, you know, when, when we look at, you know, the, the profit level and uh, a lot right. of the consumer spending, you know, it affects, you know, what the uh, financial market is doing as well. Sure. Some of the yeah. big companies are, um, you know, as far as prices or as far as their uh, values are concerned on the stock market, it has been uh, down and down 
um, tra travel industries, for example, cruises, everything has gone down. And that's why you're seeing financial market, the Dow Jones Industries uh, Index, for example, yep. dropped by what, about 35% at one point? Yeah. And, and uh, we've recovered a little bit, but I mean, still you're talking about we've given up many years worth of gains just over the course of the last, um, you know, three to, to four weeks. And so, um, and, and I think that that too is going to remain pretty, pretty volatile, right? You're tracking the VIX and that's uh, showing that, that we can expect more volatility and fluctuations. And, um, and I think that's probably going to be the rule rather than, than the exception for at least the next couple of weeks. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we used to think uh, the Dow Jones, for example, up 1000 point, that's a big deal. Um, that was like, that was only like <laughs> three, four weeks ago, we saw a thousand points up and down. Yep. But uh, what, a few days later, we saw 3000 points right. up and down. So that's uh, that's really really volatile. I've never seen that before. Yeah, no, it's pretty it's pretty crazy. I put even on my Facebook the other day. It's like, man, trillions of dollars are just showing up and disappearing out of you know thin air in in a moment's notice. And then you like put your um, away notification on and go eat lunch downstairs, <laughs> and you come back and the market's you know completely done a, a one eighty. And so uh, that's that's I think why you know too it's the, that it's going to translate into into this kind of snowball effect because the job losses obviously eat into people's income and cause consumers to be uh, less confident and they go out and spend less money and generate more job losses and that impacts the stock market and people become even less confident right and so um, you know maybe one of the the good byproducts or at least one of the encouraging signs is that um, you know it does seem like the federal government both on the fiscal and monetary side have recognized that this is an unprecedented uh, crisis and have stepped in to try and and backstop and so we saw um, we saw obviously the the new fiscal stimulus come out but let's talk about the monetary first because uh, the Fed is also making some pretty big moves oh yeah absolutely I mean the the, the federal Reserve as well as the uh, uh, federal government, they have to step in and put some some things in. Like the Federal Reserve, for example, they cut uh, the Fed funds rate uh, all the way down to zero uh, percent. I mean, they they did a yeah. um, couple cuts, you know, in a matter of two weeks or so, ten days or so. Right now, emergency cuts. Oh off, yeah, off schedule too. Oh, absolutely. Now it's down to zero percent to zero point two five percent. They also lowered the discount window uh, rate to zero percent, zero point two five percent, and all those that are all they're trying to do is to uh, make you know uh, money a little bit more li uh, li uh, the liquidity a little bit more fluid. So they right. expanded the uh, reverse repo operation as well, and they restarted quantitative easing again, and also yep. created multiple new programs. Um, hopefully, trying to make it uh, looks like you know uh, lending is a little easier, uh, yep. but. The thing is whether you know lenders are actually buying in or not, and um, as of now, I think they're trying, but there are a lot of um, you know uh, things holding them back a little bit. And as yeah. such, you're not seeing um, interest rate, or you're not seeing interest rate consistently low. Right. Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. Currently, it is what like three point seven five or something like that for thirty year fixed rate. Yeah, well, it was. It's been going all over the place. A day or two ago, it was three point eight five, and then it was back down to three point six and three point seven. So, still a, a lot of issues that they're working out. And I think the Fed, you know, coming in and and taking these steps is a good first sign. But uh, there's still, I think, more 
more policy action in particular that's that's needed to really free up credit, especially on the mortgage credit side over the last week and a half. That's something that we've uh, grown increasingly concerned about, right. you know, with Wells Fargo pulling out of the jumbo and some of the, the whole loan uh, operations shutting down that we're worried about just the, the ability of, of mortgage credit in particular to stay available. And also for these low, you know, 10 year rates and low rates that the Fed has, has gone in and tried to generate by, um, you know, flooding the market with liquidity will eventually um, reach consumers who who haven't really seemed to to benefit as much at this point in time, but um, at least they recognize that it's a, a crisis and are trying to uh, get out in front of it with right. with some some fairly bold action. The other side of the ledger is on the fiscal side, though, and that that has been a, a pretty bold move. There's been um, the CARES Act, which is actually the third round of fiscal stimulus. We had a couple of smaller rounds before, but this is about right. uh, the CARES Act that President Trump signed uh, late last week is a, a, essentially a, up to $2 trillion worth of fiscal stimulus that could hit the economy in a variety of ways over the coming weeks and months. Absolutely. I mean, the one that I think a lot of people are aware of is that rebate check, right? That right. rebate check that goes to um, many people uh, who are in the labor force, including realtors, um, there are some, you know, um, uh, guidelines as far as annual incomes, how much you have to make uh, annual income in order to get the uh, paycheck. Right. Basically, you know, for single, you get something like $1,200 if you make uh, 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 income below 75000 And you, if you're a married couple, uh, if you have an income below 150000 you get some something like 2400 And then, of course, you may be eligible for uh, 500 additional for each kit. Right. Uh, but there are some other, you know, um, guidelines to it, too. But, uh, you know, those are checks that hopefully uh, or money that we'll hopefully get in uh, two, three weeks or so. Yep. Um, but there are other programs as well. Yeah, definitely. And some of these are, are of particular interest, I think, um, to our members, right? Because they, <laughs> they involve small businesses and also uh, independent contractors, which typically haven't been able to benefit from things like unemployment insurance right. during um, regular, quote unquote, economic downturns. So, um, you know, do you, do you mind walking us through the, the pandemic unemployment assistance? Because I think that one in particular is something that... Uh, that our members aren't used to to having access to something like that and probably might not be aware that that this program is even out there. Right, right. Let me just uh, uh, make it brief. Now, for many of the realtors who are independent contractors, they're not eligible to apply for unemployment insurance. So what the uh, pandemic unemployment uh, assistant, which is the PUA uh, as abbreviation, is allow the um, independent contractors uh, small uh, to obtain unemployment assistance for up to 39 weeks. Now that is under the condition that they're they are negatively impacted as a result of the COVID-19. Um, so um, I think we do have more information. I'm not going to go into too much information about the PUA right now. I think at the end we'll give you some additional uh, resources to um, hopefully provide you some guidance and maybe some um, a hotline uh, for you to find out a little bit more about the PUA. But yep. also the um, SBA loan, the forgivable SBA loan. Yeah, and that's critical, I think, for brokers and for um, individual realtor members and people throughout the real estate industry who have, um, you know, 
payroll employees they have bills to pay mm -hmm, right they mm -hmm. have uh, maybe rent on their office space or their mortgage on their office space or what have you and these are uh, potentially forgivable small business administration loans that you can use to um, you know finance your operations during this relatively lean time where obviously uh, incomes are going to be impacted uh, across the board. And so I think that this is, is hopefully a positive sign for employees. Right. Right. So right. for our members who will be able to take advantage of this until we can kind of, um, get back to business in earnest. And so, uh, there's a variety of other provisions in there aimed at helping the medical system and hospitals and, um, expanding sick leave and some, some, a variety of other things. But I think, you know, those are the three that, that we wanted to at least bring right up to the, to the front of your attention, because those are, are hopefully things that we can, uh, use as an industry to, to again, make it to the other side of this, uh, of this crisis, because, um, you know, we don't know how long that's going to be. And I think that as we shift to the kind of bigger picture, um, that's one of the biggest questions that, that we get. And, and frankly, the biggest question that still remains on our minds as well is just how deep and how long is this recession, um, going to be and and the reason why that question is so hard to answer is just because you know it really hinges on what happens with the outbreak right right and so um, the the sooner we can get back to normal, I think that housing is poised to do well, but the question is you know do we snap right back to normal because I think that at least and and you can correct me here or jump in if i'm if I'm off base, but I think you know it's one thing if we go through a period to um, something like you know the virus peaking in or the the major you know issues peaking in may and and we start to come down the back side of this and maybe get back towards uh, having it something that resembles being under control by June, then maybe those jobs can come right back. That's a temporary um, reduction. Maybe the businesses can use some of the stimulus and aid to, to keep their employees online. But I think, you know, if we, and there's a lot of different scenarios out there, right? But if we um, only do the uh, the social distancing for a couple of weeks and we try and rush back to to get back to normal then this thing could stretch out for a period of not just two um, you know eight weeks or so but we're talking about many many months and if this persists into the third and fourth quarters I think this that's a much different and and much more challenging scenario to just um, bounce right back from economically in a kind of V-shaped recovery, then you're talking about a, a U, a W, an L-shaped, or, or, or some other uh, much more, I think, scary-looking recovery shape. Yeah, I mean, it, it really comes down to, I mean, economics is a social science, but um, to really determine what's going on and how long this is going to last for the coronavirus, it is really a science topic. You know, it may not be something that right. we can actually answer, but based on the, some of the models that we have seen, um, you know, at least two months or three months or so, uh, depending on whether people are really disciplined on social distancing, uh, two weeks is probably going to be a little bit too soon and right. will actually increase the number of uh, cases or infections by a whole lot. We we're talking about what ten folds or so from, you know, based on some of the models. Yeah. Do social distancing for two months, you can limit the number of infections to fourteen million. Versus if you do two weeks, it will be one hundred twenty-eight million. So, so big difference and a big huge. big difference in in economic impact in those two different scenarios. Obviously, huge difference. And of course, um, 
regardless of which model we're looking at, you know, most likely we are going into a recession. Right. Um, and uh, we can take a look at, you know, some of the numbers. Maybe you can um, sure. uh, walk us yeah. through some of the numbers. Definitely. Because I think that, you know, that's probably the one major takeaway that we have is that, you know, or maybe that's the one area where, where most economists are now in agreement is that we're going to be uh, in a recession. But the, the magnitude and the duration of that recession is, again, mostly because it's driven by things that economists have no idea about in terms of, um, you know, the science of virus transmission, et cetera. But, uh, you know, the, the outcomes range and, and the second quarter is the quarter that the economy is supposed to obviously take the biggest hit because right. it's really started ramping up in uh, mid-March, right? And and so April, May, and June is where uh, it's going to be prime time in terms of seeing those economic impacts. But even there, the outcomes range from as low as, you know, 6 to 7% decline in the second quarter all the way up to, um, you know, 35% is what wow. Goldman Sachs just came out with. Um, I think B of A rolled out a new forecast this this week mm -hmm. that said negative 30% for the second wow. quarter. Um, and so there's just a huge variation. The Atlanta Fed said it could be as high as uh, minus 50% in the second quarter. And so, um, you know, these are all reputable shops. You have shops like UCLA uh, forecasting just a negative six and a half percent, all the way up to, again, the Atlanta Fed, which is also reputable. And so I think that uh, the, the, the key takeaway is just that there is a huge uh, level of uncertainty around how deep this actually impacts things. And that's true on the recovery side as well, right? Because you have right. some folks who are forecasting that the third quarter will remain um, negative, right? And that the, the spending impacts and things like that will persist. And then you have other shops like Morgan Stanley who think we're going to snap right <laughs> back with almost 30% growth in the third quarter of this year. And so um, we all pretty much agree that we're in the midst of, of a recession, but I think there's um, a lot of question marks remaining about how deep that recession is mm -hmm. and how long uh, it lasts for. And again, I think that's a function of, as we even mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, that this is really the first week where um, any of the economic data showed any signs um, of the virus. The data that we look at in economics is mostly and inherently backward looking, right? How much did people spend last month? How many people lost their job um, last month? And so uh, it's, it, that makes it challenging to, to say how deep this is gonna go just on top of the fact that this is just so unprecedented and there's no historical um, correlation or correlate to look back on um, to get a sense of how this is gonna play out. Right, and I think you know there are so many variations in terms of forecast, partly because we didn't, we had not had any um, data available. So going into the next few weeks or so, as you know, as data started coming in, I think we, some of those economists, our economic forecasts probably will be a little bit more in line. You know, when yeah. they do their revision, and and if you take a look at what you just said, um, as far as the forecast go, you know, second quarter is going to be hit, you know, the most, uh, followed by a little bit better. Uh, third quarter by most economists. If you yeah. look at some of the models in the past or some of the examples that we have seen in the past based on some of the other outbreaks like the SARS outbreak in China, yeah. uh, the Fukushima disaster in Japan and the MERS outbreak in 2015 in South Korea, it looks like you know the uh, downturn for those outbreaks uh, typically lasts for uh, two, three, four months uh, and then it starts recovering. 
the right. recovery period may take about also two, three, four months. So we're talking about, you know, and if there's no second wave of right. um, coronavirus, uh, we could be stretching out to what, six, seven months before we're back to somewhat normal. Right. Um, so that means what August and of maybe the uh, beginning of uh, third quarter and a right. quarter. Yeah. Uh, so we're looking out for a little bit longer than just a few weeks. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's uh, it's going to be, you know, at least from an economic standpoint, um, hunkering down and trying to make it for the next, you know, 60 uh, to 90 days, because even if we do get past those peak infections in in early May, as we hope to be able to do and start to come back down the backside of this thing uh, into June, we're still looking at, you know, not being able to resume normal activity until well beyond mm -hmm. that. Once it's, it's actually gone, as you say, we could potentially otherwise uh, reignite a, a kind of second wave. And so, um, you know, the, the reason why this all matters for us is, is obviously the impacts to the housing market. And it's still very early days. We haven't released our um, data for March yet, but we mm -hmm. have started tracking the MLS data on a daily basis. And we don't have a ton of uh, very specific data for you just because there's a, a lot to work with and a lot to clean up to get it to something that we can present reasonably at a statewide basis. But I think that uh, one of the things that we've seen fairly consistently is that both sales uh, and listings are going down. Uh, you know, when we look at it day by day, we'll probably see something on the order of a double digit reduction. Right in both sales and new listings being on the market as kind of sellers take a step back, buyers are unable to or unwilling to close. In most cases, I think what we've seen in the survey research at least is that um, buyers still wanna move forward, but in a lot of cases they've um, seen their financial situations change pretty much overnight because of a job loss or uh, issues qualifying for mortgage, et cetera. Right, and the so financial I, market, you know, they wiped out their, their down their payment. Their down payment, yep. So um, we will definitely keep an eye on that. We're trying to keep an eye on price as well. And we do think that there will obviously be um, some impacts to price. I think it's still a little bit too early to tell. Even right. with this daily data, there's so much variation in the, in the type of product being sold that we're going to need another week or two uh, of data to be able to say much of meaning or substance when it comes to, uh, to price. But we'll, we'll definitely be keeping a very close eye on that. We suspect that there will be some negative impacts. The question is, is to what magnitude and, and for how long, I guess. And that's, that's the question for everything that we're following. So uh, Yeah, we just need a little bit more time uh, and some more data in order to uh, get a better sense. So we don't want to put anything out uh, right away saying that, you know, oh, what's going to happen to price? What's going to happen to sales? Uh, just give us a little bit more time. We will definitely report back to you guys. Yeah, we don't want to speculate. We want to have some good hard information to, to base a conclusion on. But uh, as that data rolls in, we will let you know and we'll be back in the next week or two with more podcasts and lots of good information on our website. When you go to car.org slash coronavirus, um, that that website is being updated um, daily, hourly, almost in real time. So as things come up, uh, they will be posted on there. We also invite you to contact our coronavirus uh, relief hotline. So if you go to car.org slash coronavirus, we'll also have uh, the numbers for the relief hotline, the ombudsman hotline, the legal hotline, um, 
as well as all the Myriad materials and information that we put together. We will go ahead and, and leave this one there, but as soon as new information comes out, Oscar and I will be right back with you um, with everything you need to know to navigate this thing. And so, uh, Oscar, unless I, I missed anything? I think you, we covered everything we need, and um, you know, we will get back to you very, very soon in a couple weeks or so. Okay, great. So uh, thank you so much for joining us for another Housing Matters podcast. We will see you on the next one. All right, stay safe and stay healthy. Have a good one.